Section 22 of Stories from the Fairy Queen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sean Michael Hogan. Stories from the Fairy Queen by Mary MacLeod. Sir Calidore, Knight of Courtesy, The Quest of the Blatant Beast. One of the best-loved knights at the court of the Fairy Queen was Sir Calidore, for even there, where courteous knights and ladies most did throng, not one was more renowned for courtesy than Calidore. Gentleness of spirit and winning manners were natural to him, and added to these, his gallant bearing and gracious speech stole all men's hearts. Moreover, he was strong and tall, and well proved in battle, so that he had won much glory, and his fame had spread afar. Not a knight or lady at the court but loved him dearly and he was worthy of their affection, for he hated falsehood and base flattery, and loved simple truth and steadfast honesty. But like all Queen Gloriana's other knights, Sir Calidore was not allowed to spend his days in slothful ease at the court. He had his task to perform, and the adventure appointed to him was a hard and perilous one. As he travelled on his way, it happened by chance that he met Sir Artigal, who was returning half sadly from the conquest he had lately made. They knew each other at once, and Sir Calidore was the first to speak. "'Hail, noblest knight of all that live and breathe!' he cried. "'Now tell me, if it please you, of the good success you have had in your late enterprise.' Then Sir Artigal told him the whole story of his exploits from beginning to end. "'Happy man to have worthily achieved so hard a quest,' said Calidore, when he had finished. "'It will make you renowned for evermore. But where you have ended I now begin to tread an endless track.' without guide or direction how to enter in or issue forth, in untried ways, in strange perils, and in long and weary labor. And even although good fortune may befall me, it will be unseen of any one. "'What is that quest which calls you now into such peril?' asked Sir Artigal. "'I pursue the blatant beast,' said Sir Calidore, "'and incessantly chase him through the world until I overtake and subdue him. I do not know how or in what place to find him, yet still I fare forward.' "'What is that blatant beast?' asked Artigal. "'It is a hideous monster of evil race, "'born and brought up in dark and noisome places, "'whence he issues forth to be the plague and scourge of wretched men. "'He has oftentimes annoyed good knight and true lady, "'and destroyed many, "'for with his venomous nature and vile tongue "'he wounds sorely, and bites, and cruelly torments.' "'Then, since I left the savage island, "'I have seen such a beast,' said Artigal. "'He seemed to have a thousand tongues.' all agreeing in spite and malice, with which he barked and bayed at me, as if he would have devoured me on the spot. He was set on by two hideous old hags, envy and detraction. But I, knowing myself safe from peril, paid no regard to his malice nor his power, whereupon he poured forth his wicked poison the more. "'That surely is the beast which I pursue,' said Calidore. "'I am right glad to have these tidings of him, having had none before in all my weary travels. Now your words give me some hope.' "'God speed you,' said Sir Artigal, "'and keep you from the dread danger, "'for you have much to contend against.' "'So they took a kindly leave of each other "'and parted on their several ways. "'Sir Calidore had not travelled far "'when he came upon a comely squire, "'bound hand and foot to a tree, "'who, seeing him in the distance, "'called to him for aid. "'The knight at once set him free, "'and then asked him what mishap "'had brought him into such disgrace. "'The squire replied it was occasioned "'not by his fault, but through his misfortune.' Not far from here, on yonder rocky hill, he said, stands a strong castle where a bad and hateful custom is kept up. For whenever any knight or lady comes along that way, and they must needs go by, for it is the pass through the rocks, 
They shave away the lady's locks and the knight's beard to pay toll for the passage. As shameful a custom as ever I heard of, and it shall be put a stop to, said Sir Calidore. But for what cause was it first set on foot? The lady who owns the castle is called Brianna, and no prouder one lives, replied the squire. For a long time she has dearly loved a doughty knight, and sought to win his love by all the means in her power. Crudor, for that is his name, in his scornful and selfish vanity, refuses to return her affection until she has made for him a mantle, lined with the beards of knights and the locks of ladies. To provide this, she has prepared this castle, and appointed a seneschal called Malafort, a man of great strength, who executes her wicked will with worse malice. As I came along to-day with a fair damsel, my dear love, he set upon us. Unable to withstand him, we both fled, and first capturing me, he bound me to this tree till his return, and then went in pursuit of her. Nor do I know whether he has yet found her. While they were speaking, they heard a piteous shriek and looking in the direction whence the cry came, they saw the churl dragging the maiden along by her yellow hair. When Calidor beheld the shameful sight, he immediately went in pursuit, and commanded the villain to release his prey. Hearing his voice, Malafort turned, and running towards him, more enraged than terrified, said tauntingly, "'Are you the wretch who defies me? And will you give your beard for this maid, whose part you take? Yet it shall not free her locks from ransom.' With that he flew fiercely at him, and laid on the most hideous strokes, but Calidore, who was well skilled in fight, let his adversary exhaust his strength, and then attacked him with such fury that the churl's heart failed him, and he took flight to the castle where his hope of refuge remained. But just as the warders on the castle wall opened the gates to receive him, Calidore overtook him in the porch and killed him, so that his dead body fell down inside the door. Then Calidore entered in and slew the porter. The rest of the castle inmates flocked round him, but he swept them all aside. Passing into the hall, he was met by the Lady Brianna herself, who bitterly upbraided him for what she termed his unknightly conduct in staying her servants. "'Not unto me the shame, but award it to the shameful doer,' replied the knight. "'It is no blame to punish those who deserve it. Those who break the bonds of civility and make wicked customs, those are they who defame both noble arms and gentle courtesy. There is no greater disgrace to man than inhumanity.' Then, for dread of disgrace, forego this evil custom which you here keep up, and show instead kindly courtesy to all who pass. This will gain you more glory than that man's love which you thus seek to obtain. But the Lady Brianna only replied to Sir Calidore with the most scornful insolence, and dispatching a hasty message to Crudor, bade him come to her rescue. While they waited for the return of the messenger, she treated Sir Calidore with every indignity, so that an iron heart could scarcely have borne it. But the knight wisely controlled his wrath, and bravely and patiently endured her womanish disdain. In due course the answer came back that Crudor would succor his lady before he tasted bread, and deliver up her foe, dead or alive, into her hand. Then Brianna immediately became quite blithe, and spoke more bitterly than ever, yet Calidore was not in the least dismayed, but rather seemed the more cheerful. Putting on his armor, he went out to meet his foe, and soon spied a knight, spurring towards him with all his might. He guessed at once this was Crudor, and without staying to ask his name, couched his spear and ran at him. The knights met with such fury that both rolled to the ground, but while Calidor at once sprang lightly again to his feet, it was some time before Crudor rose slowly and heavily. Then the battle was renewed on foot, and after a fierce and terrible struggle, Calidor at last brought his foe to the ground. He could easily have killed him, but Crudor, seeing the danger in which he was placed, cried out, "'Ah, mercy, sir! Do not slay me, but spare my life which fate has laid under your foot. "'And is this the boast of that proud lady's threat, which menaced to beat me from the field? 
said Calidor quietly. By this you may now learn not to treat strangers so rudely, but put away proud looks and stern behavior, which shall gain for you nothing but dishonor. However strong and fortunate he may be in fight, nothing is more blameful to a knight, who professes courtesy as well as arms, than the reproach of pride and cruelty. In vain he seeks to suppress others, who has not learned first to subdue himself. All flesh is frail and full of fickleness, subject to the chance of ever-changing fortune. What happens to me to-day may happen to you to-morrow. He who will not show mercy to others, how can he ever hope to obtain mercy? To pay each in his own coin is right and just. Yet since you now need to crave mercy, I will grant it, and spare your life, on these conditions. First, that you shall behave yourself better to all errant knights, wherever they may be, and next, that you aid ladies in every place and in every trouble. The wretched man, who had remained all this while in dread of death, gladly promised to perform all Sir Calidore's behests, and further swore to marry Brianna without any dowry, and to release her from his former shameful conditions. Then Calidore called the lady, and soothing her terror, told her of the promise he had compelled Crudor to make. Then Calidore called the lady, and soothing her terror, told her of the promise he had compelled Crudor to make. Overcome by his exceeding courtesy, which quite pierced her stubborn heart, Brianna threw herself at his feet, and acknowledged herself deeply indebted to him for having restored both life and love to her. Then they all returned to the castle, and she entertained them joyfully with feast and glee, trying by all the means in her power to show her gratitude and good will. To Sir Calidore, for his trouble, she freely gave the castle, and professed herself bound to him forever, so wondrously was she changed from what she had been before. But Calidore would not keep for himself land or fee as wages for his good deed, but gave them at once as a rightful reward to the squire whom he had lately freed, and to his damsel, in recompense for all their former wrong. There he remained happily with them, till he was well and strong from the wounds he had received, and then he passed forth again on his first quest. THE PROUD DISCOURTEOUS KNIGHT As Sir Calidore rode on his way, he saw not far off a strange sight, a tall young man fighting on foot against an armed knight on horseback, and beside them he saw a fair lady standing alone on foot in sad disarray. Before he could get near to ask what was the matter, the armed knight had been killed by the youth. Filled with amazement, Sir Calidore steadfastly marked the latter, and found him to be a goodly and graceful youth, still only a slender slip, not more than seventeen years old, but tall and fair of face, so that the knight surely deemed him of noble birth. He was clad in a woodman's jacket of Lincoln green, trimmed with silver lace. On his head he wore a hood with spreading points, and his hunter's horn hung at his side. His buskins were of the costliest leather, adorned with golden points, and regularly intersected with stripes, as was then the fashion for those of gentle family. In his right hand he held a quivering dart, and in his left a sharp boar-spear. Calidore, having well viewed him, at length spoke, and asked him how it came that he, though not yet a knight, had dared to slay a knight which was plainly forbidden by chivalry. Truly, said the youth, I was loath to break the law of chivalry, but I would break it again rather than let myself be struck by any man. He assailed me first, regardless of what belongs to chivalry. By my troth, then said Sir Calidore, great blame is it for an armed knight to wrong an unarmed man. But tell me why this strife arose between you. Then the youth, whose name was Tristram, told him that, as he was hunting that day in the forest, he chanced to meet this man together with the lady. The knight, as Sir Calidore had seen, was on horseback, but the lady walked on foot beside the horse, through thick and thin, unfit for any woman. 
yet not content with this, to add to the disgrace, whenever she lagged behind, as she must needs do, he would thump her forward with his spear, and force her to go on, while she vainly wept, and made piteous lament. When I saw this as they passed by, continued Tristram, I was moved to indignation, and began to blame him for such cruelty. At this he was enraged, and disdainfully reviled me, threatening to chastise me as one would a child. I, no less disdainful, returned his scornful taunts, whereupon he struck me with his spear, and I, seeking to avenge myself, threw a slender dart at him, which struck him, as it seems, underneath the heart, so that he quickly died. Sir Calidor inquired of the lady if this were indeed true, and as she could deny nothing, but cleared Tristram of all blame, then said the knight, Neither will I charge him with guilt. For what he spoke, he spoke it for you, lady, and what he did, he did it to save himself, against both of whom that knight wrought unknightly shame. Then turning back to the gallant boy, who had acquitted himself so well and stoutly, and seeing his beautiful face and hearing his wise words, Sir Calidor was filled with admiration, and felt certain that he came of heroic blood. Then, because of the affection he bore him, he begged the youth to reveal who he was. For since the day when I first bore arms, added the knight, I never saw a greater promise in any one. Then Tristram replied that he was the son of a king, although by fate or fortune he had lost his country and the crown that should be his by right. He was the only heir of the good King Meliagras of Cornwall, but his father dying while he was still a child, his uncle had seized the kingdom. The widowed queen, his mother, afraid lest ill should happen to the boy, sent him away out of the country of Leoness, where he was born, into the land of Queen Gloriana, and here he had dwelt since the time he was ten years old. His days had not been spent in idleness, for he had been well trained with many noble companions in gentle manners and other fitting ways. His chief delight was in following the chase, and nothing that ranged in the green forest was unknown to him. But now that he was growing older, he felt it was time to employ his strength in a nobler fashion, and he besought Sir Calidor to make him a squire, so that henceforth he might bear arms and learn to use them aright. So Sir Calidor caused him to kneel, and made him swear faith to his knight, and truth to all ladies, and never to be recreant for fear of peril, nor for anything that might befall. So he dubbed him, and called him his squire. Then young Tristram grew full glad and joyous, and when the time came for Sir Calidor to depart, he prayed that he might go with him on his adventure, vowing always to serve him faithfully. Sir Calidor rejoiced at his noble heart, and hoped he would surely prove a doughty knight, yet for the time he was obliged to make this answer to him. Glad would I surely be, my courteous squire, to have you with me in my present quest, but I am bound by a vow which I swore to my sovereign, that in fulfilling her behest I would allow no creature to aid me. For that reason I may not grant what you so earnestly beg. But since this lady is now quite desolate, and needs a safeguard on her way, you would do well to succor her from fear of danger. Tristram gladly accepted this new service, so, taking a courteous leave, the two parted. Not long after this, Sir Calidor came upon a knight and a lady sitting in the shade of some trees. Sir Calidor greeted them courteously, and the knight invited him to sit down beside them, so that they might talk over all their adventures. While they were chatting together, the Lady Serena wandered away into the fields to pluck some flowers. Then suddenly, from the forest near, the blatant beast rushed forth, and catching up the lady, bore her away in his great mouth. Starting up, both knights at once gave chase, and Calidor, who was swiftest of foot, overtook the monster in the midst of his race, and fiercely charging him, made him leave his prey and take to flight. Knowing that the knight was close at hand, Sir Calidor did not pause to succor the lady, but quickly followed the brute in his flight. Full many paths and perils he passed, over hill and dale, through forest and plain. 
So sharply did he pursue the monster that he never suffered him to rest day or night. From the court he chased him to the city, from the city to the village, from the village into the country, and from the country back to remote farms. Thence the blatant beast fled into the open fields, where the herds were keeping the cattle and the shepherds were singing to their flocks. Corridon and Pastorella As Sir Calidore followed the chase of the blatant beast, he came upon a group of shepherds piping to their flocks. In reply to his questions they answered they had never seen the creature, and if there were any such they prayed heaven to keep him far from them. Then one of them, seeing that Calidore was travel-worn and weary, offered him such simple food and drink as they had with them, and the knight, who was courteous to all men alike, both the lowly and the high-born, accepted their gentle offer. As he sat amongst these rustics he saw seated on a little hillock, higher than all the rest, a beautiful maiden, wearing a crown of flowers tied with silken ribbons. She was surrounded by the other shepherdesses, as with a lovely garland, but her beauty far excelled theirs, and all united in singing the praise and caroling the name of the fairest Pastorella. Not one of all the shepherds but honoured her, and many also loved her, but most of all the shepherd Corridon. Yet neither for him nor for any one else did she care a whit. Her lot was humble, but her mind was high above it. As Sir Calidore gazed at her and marked her rare demeanour, which seemed to him to far excel the rank of a shepherd and to be worthy of a prince's paragon, all unawares he was caught in the toils of love, from which no skill of his own could deliver him. So there he sat still, with no desire to move, although his quest had gone far before him. He stayed until the flying day was far spent, and the dews of night warned the shepherds to hasten home with their flocks. Then came to them an aged sire, with silver beard and locks, and carrying a shepherd's crook. He was always supposed to be the father of Pastorella, and she indeed thought it herself. But he was not so, having found her by chance in the open field as an infant. He took her home, and cherished her as his own child, for he had none other, and in course of time she came to be accounted so. Melibie, for so the good old man was called, seeing Calidore left all alone and night at hand, invited him to his simple home, which, although only a mud cottage, with everything very humble, was yet better to lodge in than the open fields. The knight full gladly agreed, this being his heart's own wish, and went home with Melibie. There he was made heartily welcome by the honest shepherd and his aged wife, and after the frugal supper which they ate with much contentment, Sir Calidore listened half entranced while Melibie discoursed on all the joys of a pastoral life. So tempting was the picture he painted that Calidore resolved to lay aside for a while his toilsome quest and the pursuit of glory, and take a little rest in this peaceful spot. If he were allowed to share the cabin and the scanty fare, he promised to reward Melibie well. But the good old man refused the offered gift of gold. "'If you really wish to try this simple sort of life that shepherds lead,' he said, "'make it your own, and learn our rustic ways for yourself.' So Sir Calidore dwelt there that night, and many days after, as long as it pleased him, daily beholding the fair Pastorella, and all the while growing more deeply in love with her. He tried to please her by all the kindly courtesies he could invent, but she, who had never been accustomed to such strange fashions, fit for kings and queens, nor had ever seen such knightly service, paid small heed to them, and cared more for the shepherd's rustic civility than for anything he did. Sir Calidore, seeing this, thought it best to change the manner of his appearance. Doffing his bright armor, he dressed himself in shepherd's attire, taking in his hand a crook instead of a steel-headed spear. Clad thus, he went every day to the fields with Pastorella, and kept her flocks diligently, watching to drive away the ravenous wolf, so that she could sport and play as it pleased her. 
Corridan, who for a long time had loved her, and hoped to gain her love, was greatly troubled, and very jealous of this stranger. He often complained scowlingly of Pastorella to all the other shepherds, and whenever he came near Calidor would frown and bite his lips, and was ready to devour his own heart with jealousy. The knight, on the other hand, was utterly free from malice or grudging, never showing any sign of rancor, and often taking an opportunity to praise Corridan to Pastorella. But the maiden, if ever she had cared for her uncouth admirer, certainly did so no longer now that she had seen Calidor. Once when Calidor was asked to lead the dance with Pastorella, in his courtesy he took Corridan and set him in his place, and when Pastorella gave him her own flowery garland, he soon took it off and put it on the head of Corridan. Another time Corridan challenged Calidor to a wrestling match, thinking he would surely avenge his grudge, and easily put his foe to shame, for he was well practiced in this game. But he greatly mistook Calidor, for the knight was strong and mightily tough in sinew, and with one fall he almost broke Corridan's neck. Then Pastorella gave the oaken crown to Calidor as his due right, but he, who excelled in courtesy, gave it to Corridan, saying he had won it well. Thus did that gentle knight bear himself amidst that rustic throng, so that even they who were his rivals could not malign him, but must needs praise him, for courtesy breeds good will and favor even amongst the rudest. So it surely wrought with this fair maiden, and in her mind sowed the seeds of perfect love, which at last, after long trial, brought forth the fruit of joy and happiness. But whatever Sir Calidor did to please Pastorella, Corridon immediately strove to emulate, and if the knight succeeded in winning favor, he was frozen with jealousy. One day, as they all three went together to the greenwood to gather strawberries, a dangerous adventure befell them. A tiger rose up out of the wood and rushed with greedy jaws at Pastorella. Hearing her cry for help, Corridon ran in haste to rescue her, but when he saw the fiend he fled away just as fast in cowardly fear, holding his own life dearer than his friend. But Calidor, quickly coming to her aid when he saw the beast ready to rend his dear lady, ran at him and raged instead of being afraid. He had no weapon but his shepherd's crook, but with that he struck the monster so sternly that he fell stunned to the ground, and then, before he could recover, Sir Calidor cut off his head and laid it at the feet of the terrified maiden. From that day forth Pastorella grew more and more fond of the knight, but Corridon she despised because of his cowardice. Then for a long time Sir Calidor dwelt happily among these shepherd folk, forgetting his former quest so full of toil and pain, and rejoicing in the happy peace of rustic bliss. But at last malicious fortune, which envies the long prosperity of lovers, blew up a bitter storm of adversity. End of section 22. Recording by Sean Michael Hogan, St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada.